Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Hey, I'm Chad Sowash of the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Joined by my partner in crime, Joel Cheeseman. What up? We have Jerry Crispin, recruiting recruiting soothsayer and founder of Career Crossroads. Best beer in the industry, right there. That's that damn right. One day, Jerry. Deb Andrichuk, industry veteran and VP of recruitment branding goodness over at Shaker Recruitment Marketing. That's actually your title, right? Um, yeah, that's my title today. <laughs> and, like last, and last, but always least, Stephen Rothberg, president and founder of collegerecruiter.com. Big, big applause for everybody. Don't, don't forget Shaker, proud sponsor of the Chad and Cheese podcast. Proud sponsor right. of the Chad and Cheese podcast. <laughs> uh, the theme of today's discussion is protecting your brand in the realm of college recruitment. And first question goes to Jerry Crispin. Okay, Jerry, if employers rescind job offers to students and recent grads, will the experience a negative impact in future campus recruiting? Yes. What should they do about that, that so that they don't experience it? <laughs> Not do that. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. You, you don't rescind a promise that you've made. You have to be able to engage around that. So I will tell you that we've had lots of our members have had these kinds of conversations of late, and I would tell you almost every one of them did not rescind any of that. Some of them delayed it. Okay. Some of them uh, moved, in fact, one company moved it uh, an entire year in terms of of how long they delayed it. But most most delayed it in a a relatively short period of time. Um, Most of them changed it, obviously. I mean, you're not going to have a whole bunch of people coming in when they can't be moving anywhere and when their parents are going to tell them, you're going to travel where to do what? Yeah, that's, that's not happening. So, so virtual internships and virtual onboarding for full-time folks has become pretty much what's happening now. And, um, you know, there's an awful lot of folks who can get into the details of how they do it. Everybody's doing it a little bit differently. But if, if somebody figures out that we don't have hiring managers who are going to be able to oversee work for these folks and we want to give up hiring for, from uh, early hires and everything mm-hmm. else, they better find some nice way to provide a parting gift and some support <laughs> for those folks uh, to be able to go and work with motivation from their competitors uh, if they if they if they really have to do that, I the the companies that rescind work for early uh, hires are going to be remembered for the rest of those hires' lives, and not in a good way. See, uh, well, so that's it, just not going to be a good thing. It, 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 I think as humans we have a short memory, uh, Stephen. I'm sure you've seen big brands do this before in the past, and they've been able to come out of it. How did they come out of it? You know, I've never seen a situation where 
so many companies are or hit all at once in such a short period of time and uh, at least in some minds so unexpectedly and where almost nobody could go to work as work normally was almost overnight. So I think everybody was in panic mode. We were all trying to just keep our families safe. How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to get food? All that. So I'm not surprised that a lot of these employers were at least considering rescinding. Yeah. We are seeing a lot of companies rescind offers. Um, I, I suspect that the companies that Jerry's talking about are mostly Fortune 1000 companies, but a lot mm -hmm. of small startups um, absolutely rescinding. Um, and some of them- Do you think they're going to get a pass? Oh, hell no. Uh, and they shouldn't. <laughs> so um, I, I wrote a blog article earlier today. Um, KPMG and PwC, two of the big four accounting its consulting companies, what they did was remarkable, generous, brilliant, self-serving in a great way, everything. So they said, well, rather than coming to work for us as a paid intern for the next 10, 12 weeks, we're going to create a virtual internship for you for two weeks so that you can at least have a feeling for what it's like to work here. You'll get to know your boss and, you know, kind of throw you a little bit of a bone this summer. That's nice. But what was really amazing is that every single one of their 2020 interns have already received offers for 2021 entry-level employment. So when they graduate next wow. May, they have a job. And, they don't and, even and, you know, know how good these guys 10 are. 10 to 15,000 people for each of these employers. And that's more common than, you know, than just PwC, et cetera. Because the, there's a lot of competition out there for these interns, mm -hmm. uh, particularly. And so I think, I think I've seen a dozen companies change the time frame and offer similar kinds of things for that. So what and I will say, the one last thing I, I really would like to say though, is that the small companies don't do a lot of interns and hiring when you look at the 4 million kids who are out there. Mm -hmm. It's the large companies that are really doing the, the bulk of that kind of hiring. People say that small business employs most Americans. It's actually really not true. Um, and so certain is it, careers, it skews heavily to large employers. Is it fair to say that companies, while they've put the brakes on everything, most, if not all, are expecting to, to put pedal to the metal, full gas a year from now? That's the expectation. That's their hope. People, I, I think they're pushing it off to later, you know, this year, too. I don't think it's even just waiting until next year. I'm seeing... A lot of our clients are just delaying, you know, abbreviating the time. There's a large employer I just started working with who just went through a huge round of uh, layoffs and they did push the start dates out until next year. And, you know, they took a lot of criticism for it, but I thought, I thought it was really um, ingenious on their part. I mean, they're trying to do the right thing. Um, yeah. They also gave, you know, a lump sum of money to those new hires. And, you know, I, I agree with Jerry a hundred percent. I mean, you never want to rescind when you've already given someone an opportunity, but I also think that you have to think about last one in is first one out. And so what does that do? If you bring someone in as a new hire and then, you know, what if, what if COVID lasts another six, eight, nine months and that person just ends up getting cut anyway, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, is that better? I, mean, I think the, the new hire is going to be mad either way. I think, yeah, I think a lot of it boils question. down to, I oh. mean, really, I mean, I think a lot of it boils down to why are you rescinding? Um, two, how are you communicating that? And, and it better be delicately, compassionately. And like Jerry said, it better have some, you know, package with a bow on it. And you need to have something that you're giving to them. And I think it's also really looking hard at like, what are alternative ways that we could, you know, put this person up. So. And, and Deb, from a marketing and communications firm standpoint, I suspect that your advice to your clients was communicate what you know, communicate what you don't know, right? Don't just go radio silent. That was, that drove me nuts in March and in even into April where students had offers last September and every three, four weeks, they'd get a gift basket, an email, a phone call, a text, (laughs) whatever, until about the 10th of March uh-huh. And then silence. They didn't know if their boss was in the hospital, if their job was there or not. And some yeah. small percentage, but it was still significant of the employers were saying, well, we can't tell them because we haven't made our plans yet. The fact that you're making plans is something you should tell them. Right. It's, it's March 18th. We have a meeting on the 25th and I will have an update for, for you by the 26th. Right. That's all they're asking for at that at that point. I think there were a lot of mistakes made in 2008 with the financial crisis. And I do believe that a lot of those mistakes came back in conversation early on with a lot of a lot of employers who said we have to communicate better. And so I do think a lot of companies recognized early on that they needed to adjust quickly to at least communicate to the interns or potential interns what they were going to do, that they were thinking about virtual and they were thinking about this and so on and so forth. But, it, but it's also and hard then, to lay off 20% of your staff and still have the internship program. So in terms of communication, that's, one, that's not a, a delicate thing or that is a very delicate thing to, to dance around, yes? For some companies, they were able to preserve some of their recruiters' jobs instead of furloughing. Yeah. They transferred them to university, university relations to help figure out what those virtual internships would work on. Because obviously, you, when you start inventing something called virtual interns, there's a whole host of things that now are going to have to be done in terms of what is the project, how do you oversee the project? Who's helping do, you when how, it comes to this? How do you deliver coffee at a, a Zoom meeting? I, I still haven't figured that one out. <laughs> uh, Uber Eats. Um, Uber, yeah. You know, to, to go back to sort of the, the brand issue on campus, uh, I think I'm hoping that um, if there is on-campus recruiting this fall, which I think is a big question mark, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I don't foresee that many campuses are going to be open. And the campuses that are going to be open, I think, are going to be very restrictive in terms of how many people are there, how many people can be gathered in any place, visitors to campus. I mean, I boy, if if you're a big company and you're planning on sending student or uh, recruiters and hiring managers to 20 schools, Mm -hmm. I don't think you should count on the fact that those schools are going to let those people on campus. Um, I could what are you telling those companies strategy-wise? Where, where does that budget go now? 
Well, I mean, I think 100% of it goes to us. No, I'm just kidding. I do, you know, in, in, I, I do think that it's going to go virtual. There's, there are going to be more virtual career fairs. I think that, that some of the career service management platforms um, are going to do well. Some of the job search sites like, like ours will do well. What I'm hoping we're going to see is, is some students, maybe some career service office directors, asking employers the question, um, in March and April, what did you decide to do? What did you do for your interns? What did you do for the new grads? Did you rescind the offers? Did you walk away? How did you communicate to them? And, you know, if there's one hardware store that did a fantastic job with all of that and their direct competitor did a terrible job with that, I think like what Jerry was saying at the beginning, it's going to take years for that hardware store to recover that didn't communicate, that didn't take care of its employees. Do you think the career center directors, the career centers overall are going to be the ones who are going to drive this? Because I can't think that the kids or the, 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 the interns are even going to think of that. I mean, they're just, they're so much into how do I get an internship oh, yeah. in thinking oh. before. Do you think that that's not going to be the case or it will? Okay. So the career service office directors mostly know they're going to be grateful that the employers are coming on campus or otherwise recruiting their students. I can think off the top of my head three or four that I could absolutely see them and they're like the stars saying to the employer, you know what, we have limited slots and we are going to give those slots to the employers who are likely to treat our students the best and your past performance is the best predictor of your future performance. You screwed our students over last April. Sorry, you don't get to come on campus this fall because we just don't have room for you. I could, see, I could see some of them doing that. As far as the students go, and I know this is very anecdotal, I have a 20-year-old who's going into her senior year, and I can tell you for a fact that she and her friends are absolutely going to be asking employers, what did you do with your interns last year? What did you do with your new grads? Because they are, um, some of them are being treated very well, and some mm-hmm. of them still have no idea if they are about to start an internship, and it's May. Wow. And, and I would, there's one caveat I throw in here, and that is there's an awful lot of colleges out there, but the, the STEM colleges, the engineering college, the, I, the, the IT programs, the, the career services folks for those groups, they're going, they're going to hold up those companies. Oh, yeah. Sure, because they can. And because those students are going to end up with an average of three, four, ten offers mm-hmm. that they choose from. Is that a problem because for STEM schools students, right now, though? I, mean, I, was, I, I was career director for, for a college as my first job. And I got to tell you, in that recession, yeah. we killed about 20% of all of the companies that came on campus because we had more companies coming on campus than we had students. So the- well, that's, that, that's what I mean. But right now, do you think STEM is, do you think they're rescinding at all? I would think that they're still, they, they understand what's going to happen in the future. It's like, okay, let's continue. Let's continue to go. Let's not rescind. Think about how crazy you are if you're a technology company and, yeah. and rescinding offers for, for yeah. five or 10 folks at, at, a, critical, at a critical campus that you think mm-hmm. has the kind of program that's going to make our company really run well. Yeah, that you seems like so. the death nail. And I do think yeah. you're, you're digging your own grave if you yeah. do it. 
Larger companies are definitely keeping, um, they're keeping those new hires and they're keeping their internships. Again, they're just pivoting um, to online, shortening, doing whatever they have to do. I've seen a couple companies where they've set it up so that it's on demand. So the managers get to decide, um, you know, how long the days are um, and they do it by week. So if they have something going on in a particular week, they might scale the hours back. But um, overall, the students are still getting that nine or 10 week, um, you know, internship that they were planning on. And then um, as far as rescinding offers for new grads with the large companies that are hiring STEM folks, I haven't seen it. But um, we did have one startup who uh, I had worked with her at a larger company. This gal um, went to head up TA at a startup in Silicon Valley. And uh, they, they just let go of, I don't know, probably like 25 of their new grads. And some of these folks had only worked there a month or two. And um, so it wasn't rescinding. They were laying them off, ripping yeah. them. But it goes back to my point. Like, do you do it now? Do you do it later? I'm sure those people probably have a really bad taste in their mouth now about that company and we'll never get over it. But I also think too, at that age, we take everything personally anyway. So <laughs> I don't know that we have the maturity to kind of separate, you know, here's what's going on in the world. We're having a global crisis. And then this is about me when you're at that age. Well, again, though, that's Everything's brand. about me. <laughs> that's brand and it's reputation. And that's something that sticks, right? Whether, whether, you know, it was back when you're in your twenties or what have you, that could still sure. stick with that person throughout their career. So, you know, from the shaker standpoint, uh, this has got to be reputation management at this point, not just brand. I mean, it's bigger than that. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of coaching and it's, um, I think, trying to get people to be more transparent. Um, I think that's hard, especially when you are financial services or just any risk adverse company, you're, you're going to be less inclined to you know, pull back the curtains, but um, that's what's required right now um, in order to keep that brand intact. And I do think, um, you know, we'll see more and more requests. Uh, we're, we're getting them every day where clients are coming to us and saying, you know, help us with our internal communications. We've always really focused on external, as you guys know, um, but internal has become so critical. Mm. And uh, we're also, uh, a lot of clients are coming to us right now and saying, you know, help us, help us build up the positivity um, that we do have within, you know, our ranks, help us, um, you know, push that story out. So we're doing a lot of PR for jobs. Um, we're getting a lot of requests for it right now. And I think uh, clients are also really interested in taking this time to kind of take a step back and assess everything from end to end. So whether it's a candidate experience audit or, you know, hey, you know what? We know that there are some spots in our brand that probably need some help. Um, maybe we do a glass door audit right now. We're seeing a lot of those requests. I mean, I think that's the cool thing that I'm loving so much is that uh, I really thought the minute that COVID hit, everything would just poof, evaporate. And mm -hmm. it's just been amazing to me how many leaders are savvy enough to get it that, you know, this is the time to lean in and really make sure that, um, you know, everything is operating at the highest capacity so that, I mean, we all know this, this virus is going to end at some point, right? 
routine. I'm going to look <laughs> terrible. I'm going to have Bigfoot's going to hey, be Deb. jumping out of my eyebrows. Hey, Deb. The longer it lasts, though, the more likely we will revert to some some serious problems that, that we really can't help. I mean, when you start running out of money, um, you're done. And there's only so yeah. much the government's going to give us. And, and the complexity now of multinationals who have to deal with the different <laughs> ways each government in each country is treating all of this <clears throat> also complicates uh, the problem of who you keep, who you don't, who you furlough, whether you give them benefits, whether you give them actually pay. Uh, one large retail organization is still paying. They closed all of their stores over a month ago, and they're still paying everybody uh, their full pay. Others have reduced pay in some way, shape, or form, even, even if the government is giving them a loan that allows for them to pay employees. It often isn't enough to fully compensate all of that. And then somebody in the back room is figuring out, well, we can keep doing this for 30 days, 60 yeah. days, 90 days. And then, and then a whole different decision is going to happen. And then they're not going to be worried about all of that stuff. They're just going to be closing stuff up, period. Hey, Deb, you mentioned internal communications, and I'm curious, how is that evolving? I mean, is it, is it still email? Is it Slack? Is it just dependent upon the, the company? Uh, do interns like, like SMS or like how is, what's the current state of sort of internal communications and how it's done? Great question. So um, we are seeing most of our clients are using email. And it's kind of interesting, though, because if they do have a way um, you know, to, to launch uh, bulk email, they're, they're asking us to do it in HTML. Um, so we're programming and designing something that looks really nice. We've had some clients ask, instead of email, can you put it in a PDF? <laughs> we'll attach it and send it out. I'm like, eh. wow. um, <laughs> yeah, but um, carrier no, pigeon? One, no one so far has asked us for um, SMS. Uh, okay. You know, which is kind of surprising because you you would think that that would be part of it. But I do think email still, I mean, when you're sending a larger message, I mean, that's really hard to do. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. So much more to actually talk about, but this gets it going for the next segment. Awesome. Uh, don't forget to check out the discussion segments on chadcheese.com. I'm sure they'll be all over College Recruiter, Shaker. We'll see you next time. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to podcasts with Chad and Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance. I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.